a British TV podcast with Chrissy and Ryan. News, reviews, what's on TV this week, DVD releases, and special features all about British TV. Hello and welcome to the British TV podcast show number 78. I'm Ryan in Seattle. Chrissy in Seattle here. This week's show, we have news, what's on British TV this week, shows running in the United States, DVD releases, and a feature on Robson Green. Alrighty then. How you been? I've been good. How are you? I'm good. Well, not that blah, blah, scary email from uh, the national office of where I work talking about corporate restructuring and layoffs, so that's never good. There's a big black cloud now at work. Oh dear. But it seems like they've just hired a gazillion, million, trillion new regional vice presidents of this and that. And so I'm, I have this cartoon of an organization chart where you see the CEO and then it leads into all these other things. And it all funnels down to one little card and the guy's pointing at that one person at the bottom saying, that'll be you. I'm kind of feeling like those of us who remain, we're certainly going to be, have a lot of managers. So it's interesting. It might be that I end up having a lot more to do or, you know, a different, completely different job duties than I do now. So, Or they throw you in a big arena and you fight to the yeah, death. Yeah, could well be. <laughs> You've been reading The Hunger Games. Yes. <laughs> Christy lent those to me. Did you watch anything on TV? Finished Being Human. Oh, good. Watched um, a bunch of the full internet feeds of David Williams' shows. Oh, the 24-hour panel people. I'd watched... The five parts of him that they had edited really, really down to just a few cl- sound bites from each show and shown on TV. So I watched all of the QI and the Have I Got News for You. Any other, any good? I only saw the full QI, like, QI one. No, I have the QI oh, one. I haven't watched the others yet. Um, oh, okay. Other than just starting Have I Got News for You, watching about half of it. And it wasn't really thrilling. But The uh, real thing's coming this week. Uh, yay. Yay. Gosh, it's ten, I mean, 10 years since I sat in the audience and watched it. Wow. Yep. It was May, I think May 16th or something that was the show we went to, the taping of, with old Angus and uh, Dom Jolly. Oh, well, Dom Jolly, Dom yeah. Dom Jolly was a guest. In fact, he wrote a, there was a huge interview with him online that they linked to in, in Chortle, and he mentioned his time on Have I Got News For You and how he just felt. Like he did a horrible job and he was on Ian's team and Ian said, you know, you're going to have to say something at some point because he just wasn't piping up. He felt like he was just not a good match and he wasn't prepared for the show. Did not good, not a good memory of his. And he was pretty quiet, but I remember the other guest was David Aronovich, who's been on a few times. He's a journalist. Would people in this country know Dom Jolly? Yeah, Trigger Happy TV was on MTV. Oh, okay. And they used a big... They repurposed his, was it Channel 4? His Channel 4 show. They filmed a bunch of new skits and gags in the United States, and he was supposed to come over and film those, and he couldn't get a visa because he'd been arrested doing Trigger Happy too many times in the UK, so they wouldn't let him in. So he only you only saw him doing his original British jokes. But yeah, Trigger Happy TV was on for a while. Okay. He did a really good documentary about Tintin. He's a huge Tintin fan, and he went to the locations because the guy who actually drew it did such good research that you could actually find the streets that are depicted in the comic, Hmm. and they're like that today. Well, he was kind of amusing. I noticed that every time he was gave an interview 
the, my a friend of mine, JT, was really interested in him. He would always give different answers. So sometimes he was gay, and sometimes he was married with kids, and so he just never gave the straight answers to any of his uh, questions there. So he's a man of mystery. We don't know which is the re- the real story. Well, my favorite Dom Jolly fact is the fact that he went to school with Osama bin Laden, mm-hmm. <laughs> which we found out on Would I Lie to You. Yeah, that is that is a claim to fame. <laughs> I know I have a number of people I know who have interesting claims to fame. Like one of them had his picture used in the Weekly World News when it was still in publication. Oh my! Um, he was a hitchhiking ghost who would get picked up by. Uh, people driving and then he would bore them to sleep with his anecdotes so they died and became a ghost to keep him company i have somebody who was an animated extra in family guy so i mean i've known a lot of people who have done really interesting things but i think if i knew john dom jolly he just would trump them all (laughs) his uh schoolmates with osama bin laden yes but he doesn't know where he is now does he they haven't kept up on facebook or anything no all right obviously not Well, this week on Twitter, uh, listener Deborah tweeted me to point out that Forbrudelsen is Danish and not to pronounce it breed, but brood, and then pronounce how it looks there. I think I called it uh, Swedish last week. Oh, I should have corrected you because I'm one half Danish, but I don't know. It was my Swedish blood, that Johnsonism coming through there. Mm -hmm. So apologies to the the Danish. Jensen on my mother's side, you see, so... Ah. So thanks for that correction, Deborah. I saw the remake of The Killing on AMC, and boy, they've captured winter in Seattle perfectly, where it's gray and rains all the time. Yeah. Oh, I thought of something else I watched, just because um, it was just piqued my interest. So I watched one episode of Super Scrimper, which is kind of a lifestyle makeover coach lady who goes to families that are spending way too much money and puts them on a budget. And they learn how to rein in their expenses. Is this a British show? Yeah. Who shows it? Oh, gosh. I would say, um, I don't think it was BBC. There was a commercial break. Could be one of the satellite channels. Might well be, yeah. Okay. But it was, it was all right. I don't know if I'd watch any more, but hmm. I was interested. They interviewed quite a lot of older ladies who have made, you know, World War II probably went, was when they were young. So they've had whole lives of thrift. And they oh, had yes. some good little hints of ways to extend the lives of things. It was fun. I'm quite a crafty person, so I like to get hints on ways to make do and mend. Now, you had some So You Think You Could Dance news. Well, yes, it started again. Uh, the, the other season, this is only the second season in the UK, it's shown every summer in the U.S., uh, for six seasons, plus it had an extra season a couple years ago that didn't do well in the fall. So they just kept, they're keeping it just a summer show in the United States. But its only other season was January 2009. So it's been a while. And I know at that time there was a much shorter series than the U.S. where they start with 20 people. They started with 14 They have voting in the U.S. Of course, you can vote free in the U.S., so they have voting one night and the results the second, whereas overseas you you have to pay to use the phone to vote, so it's they have the results that same night with a very short voting period. Um, And but the biggest thing that really interested me is they'd cut the prize in half from season one. It was a hundred thousand pounds season one, and now it's fifty thousand. BBC cutbacks. Mm Mm-hmm. And the uh, winner of season one got to uh, dance in a 
the Hollywood finale of the U.S. version, and they, they said this year's winner will the same. She'll get to go to the U.S. And when she came to the U.S., they choreographed a special piece just for her, and they brought back one of the really popular dancers from one of the old U.S. seasons. So she really, really was spotlighted. She wasn't just doing a dance that she'd done on the show. They had a choreographer create something just for her, and she really got... So it was kind of a nice little gig. And she actually was gorgeous, and people reviewing her thought she was wonderful. And and online, people didn't really seem to care for the choice of her winning the American series. But she, she did Britain proud. Her name was Charlie Bruce, so only two episodes in for the UK version. I love the show. I think the Canadian version is the best of all. Who invented it? I think it was Nigel and his then wife who separated very shortly. In fact, his wife now hosts and helms the Australian version of the show, but it was the US first and then and it's very popular. It wins. It's the top-rated reality show when it's on in the U.S., but in Australia, it's the top-rated show when it's on. It's huge down there. People just love it. The lead, Nigel Lithgow, who also is the executive producer of American Idol, although not usually on camera, he was a dancer. He started off as a dancer and then became a choreographer, and he hosts the U.S. show, and he's hosting the British show. I'm not hosting, but the lead judge but his, his ex-wife is the lead judge down in Australia. Well, lots of shows getting picked up in Britain in the news this week. Uh, Dirk Gently mm-hmm. has been recommissioned with three one-hour episodes to appear on BBC Four. And I'm looking forward to more of those from writer Howard Overman, who also gives us Misfits and has contributed to Merlin as well. And also picked up our second seasons of Rev with Tom Hollander mm-hmm. and Friday Night Dinner with Simon Bird. Someone asked me on Twitter if I was enjoying it more, and I must admit I've chuckled the last couple episodes, and it's just amazing the amount of embarrassment that family has to suffer. <laughs> Tamsin Grigg is so good at just looking mortified. Yep, she is. She's got a real good stage career going on, too. She's won an Olivier, and she's been nominated other times, so it's kind of fun. She can do both and be well-regarded. Well, and she's got a series on Showtime, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, Not Going Out will be back for a fifth season, and Tim Vine will be back as Lee Mack's best friend. There was talk that he was going to quit. And there'll be another series of Harry and Paul, the sketch comedy show with Harry Enfield and Paul Whitehouse. And Silk is going to be coming back for a second season on BBC One. They announced that like the day after the last episode was shown last week. So I'm excited for that. And big news for fans of Big Brother. The reality TV show is will be back on British TV. This time it'll be on Channel 5. No, oh, with Davina or is Davina? No, this Cheryl Cole is supposedly uh. rumored, but then they're saying, no, no, it's not going to be her. Davina has moved on. Yeah, she did kind of a farewell tour of the talk shows just before that last season. So, And Channel 5 has shelled out like 100 million pounds for a five-year deal, so they think there's still life in Big Brother. I think it's cool just because that since Doctor Who showed us that in the year 100,000, they're still watching yep. Big Brother on TV, that it still has to be on there. <laughs> Doctor Who can't lie to Not us. Not just one Big Brother, but supposedly 100 different versions going on at the same time That's in the right. joining rooms. So it can't be canceled. Speaking of Doctor Who, it had its press launch on Monday in London, where the first two episodes of season six were shown to the public for the first time. So don't dig too deep on the internet if you don't want to be spoiled before the show debuts on April 23rd on a TV near you. I mean, who does that? Who would go around their house like on December 10th looking around for the presents to find out what they're going to get on Christmas? 
Don't know. Well, it's just crazy because the whole fun is the anticipation and the fact that these people have worked really hard for it mm-hmm. and you know they want to roll it out on their schedule. So I avoid spoilers. And the gang, that is Matt Smith, Karen Gillan, Arthur Darville, Alex Kingston, and Stephen Moffat will be in New York City this weekend to promote the new season. They're doing a signing on Friday the 8th and a screening of the first two episodes Monday night in the East Village. The public can get uh, tickets on Facebook. So you're lucky sods if you can get into that. But I say, heck with that. I'm going to be seeing Frankenstein with Benedict Cumberbatch that night. Okay. Finally comes to Seattle. I'm told it's awesome. Oh, good. So it's on TV for the week of April 6th through the 12th. Wednesday, Waterloo Road finishes its term on BBC One. It'll be back later in the year. The Crimson Petal and the White begins on BBC Two. This four-part miniseries stars Romola Garay and is set in the back streets and brothels of 19th century London. But this is no ordinary costume drama. The Radio Times calls it Period drama for fans of David Lynch. And it wow. features Richard E. Grant, Chris O'Dowd, Gillian Anderson, and Mark Gaddis. Oh, we did a feature weird... on Romola Garay back in show five. I know. She was one of my early suggestions. Thursday, Monroe continues on ITV1. Neil Oliver is back in a new documentary series, A History of Celtic Britain, on BBC2, with a look at the Iron Age period. Martina Cole's The Runaway continues on Sky One with Keith Allen, Alan Cumming, and Ken Stott in Swinging 60s London. Supposedly Keith Allen has the world's worst wig on. Hmm. 10 O'Clock Live is on Channel 4. Celebrity Juice is on ITV2. Russell Howard's Good News continues on BBC Three. Friday, ITV1 begins a new documentary series called Baboons with Bill Bailey, with the comedian first showing how baboon colonies thrive in urban Cape Town, South Africa. We did a profile of Bill Bailey in the show 58. Apparently, as people go to go whale watching, the baboons break into their cars. And Benidorm concludes on ITV1. You've been watching those, or are you saving them up? Saving them up. Mm. Have I Got News For You is back for its 41st series and on Friday nights on BBC One. Guest host Jack D welcomes Richard Maidley and John Richardson to skewer the week's news along with good old regulars Ian Hisselop and Paul Merton. Friday Night Dinner finishes its first season on Channel 4. The second season of Frank Skinner's Opinionated continues on BBC Two. On Saturday, it's Slim Pickings, which includes the French crime drama Spiral on BBC4, and Piers Morgan interviewing Andrew Lloyd Webber on ITV1. Just keep telling yourself it's only two weeks until Doctor Who is back to rescue Saturday nights from oblivion. Sunday, Time Team continues on Channel 4. And Lewis continues on ITV1. Waking the Dead has its final two-part mystery ever on BBC1. Monday, The Dales continues on ITV1. Law & Order UK has its season finale on ITV1. And it's goodbye to Waking the Dead on BBC1. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. BBC4 has a documentary, The Great Estate, The Rise and Fall of the Council House, which is of great interest to Ryan, having spent a year living in a run-down council flat in Homerton. It's not surprisingly they're considered a bit of a failure of the 20th century there. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, I'll watch that. I've, I've always been kind of interested in council houses and how they stack up against subsidized housing in the U.S. and what's the same indifference. I know that during the 80s, a number of places that were judged not to really need them as much anymore allowed people living in them to buy them. And the longer they lived there, the more of a discount they would get. So that would have been a, a good gig if you liked where you were living. Ours was a dump. Ah. The ceiling leaked. And that's followed on Monday by more Olympic game humor in 2012 on BBC4. Tuesday, Candy Cabs, the drama about female cab drivers, continues on BBC One. Oh, I watched Hattie, which I hadn't watched originally. Mm-hmm. Just the, I remember they were filming Carry On Cabby during yes. Abby, so that's what put that in my mind. Liked it a lot. I thought that Ruth Jones was excellent in that mm-hmm. and Aiden Turner. Yeah, I didn't really see why she wanted him, though. He seemed kind of an unpleasant gentleman. I guess it was just looks and... I mean, he, li- he he did like her a lot, but he just wasn't very nice to anyone else in her life, so it was annoying. He didn't understand the rich. <laughs> and Campus continues on Channel 4 from the makers of Green Wing, and hopefully next week we'll have some reviews of Candy Cabs and Campus. White Van Man continues on BBC Three. In the United States, on BBC America, Wednesday, reruns of The Tudors. Friday, it's Law and Order UK. Saturday, it's the season finale on Being Human. Oh, yeah. What will Mitchell's fate be? And what is Lee Ingleby up to? Yeah, it was kind of a... Well, I, we'll Don't talk say. about it later. No spoilers. We'll talk about it but next I'm week. I'm always happy to see Lee Ingleby show up, so, yes. as you know. It's followed by the Graham Norton show. And there's repeats of Top Gear on Monday. On Showtime, Secret Diary of a Call Girl has its fourth season debut on Thursday. Belle has a new house, but it quickly fills with problems. And the third season of Merlin concludes Friday on Sci-Fi. Sunday, on most PBS stations, Masterpiece premieres the revival of Upstairs Downstairs. Produced by BBC Wales, this production does for the original series what the Doctor Who revival did for that series. Updates, while at the same time giving plenty of nostalgic nods to fans. It's not quite as compelling as Downton Abbey was, but Upstairs Downstairs setting of the 1930s mixes in the abdication as well as Nazis running around London. Jean Marsh reprises her role as Rose. And they're making more episodes, but Mm -hmm. they won't be on... Until next year. DVD releases. Three volumes of Inspector Lindley Mysteries are available in separate sets. Starring Nathaniel Parker, these began running on the BBC in 2001. Lark Rise to Candleford, Season 4, as well as a box set of the complete BBC family series set in the 19th century market town, will be released. Minder, Seasons 4 and 5, the buddy comedy drama starring George Cole and Dennis Waterman singing the theme tune. And we did a feature on Waterman back in show 33, and he's got a whole bunch of stuff coming out next week, which we'll tell you about. Any Human Heart, starring Jim Broadbent and Matthew McFadden, recently seen on PBS, is available on DVD now. And notice that Matthew McFadden is in the new Three Musketeers remake coming out. And he looked to be very full of energy and stuff. I thought I might go see the movie just on the basis of Matthew McFadden. Okay. You may. (laughs) 
And now Ryan is going to talk all about Robson Green. If you've been watching Being Human this season, you've seen the werewolf character of McNair, played by Robson Green. But Green is no up-and-coming character actor. He starred in several British TV series and even had songs that hit number one on the UK pop charts. So let's look look at the career of Robson Golightly Green. (laughs) After appearing regularly on the hospital drama Casualty, Green rose to prominence in the 1991 ITV series Soldier, Soldier as Fusilier Dave Tucker. Created by Lucy Gannon, who has written for Coronation Street, Peak Practice, and Bramwell, Soldier, Soldier was a contemporary drama about life in the Army among a company of men as well as their wives and lovers. Robson Green's Fusilier Tucker was the company goofball and troublemaker, usually teamed up with his best mate, Patty Garvey, played by Jerome Flynn. In this scene, Tucker has an argument with his young wife. When did you get this? I'm close to you, Susan. Don't it half five? It's nearly seven, Donna. Turn you on. Got any Weetabix? There's no wrong with it, Miss. What do you mean there's nothing wrong with it? Bloody moving! Paddy Garvey had meat pie last night. I'll get you pie and chips next time. Do you know you stink? Make one of a wash. What you done? Oh, bloody there, gone down the chippy. Get used to it, Dave. If it doesn't come to tin or wrapping paper, you're not getting it out of Now, what sort of song hole is this, anyway? I never see no one. You're ever all sudden, dear. I never see no one. Yeah, well, I've got news for you. We're working sad, doesn't all. She'll have something else to mourn about, won't you? I watched the whole first season over the weekend, and I was amazed by the number of familiar faces that turned up on Soldier, Soldier. Peter Wingfield was the lieutenant. He's a familiar face in genre shows like Highlander and Caprica. David Haig is a character actor. You've seen him in a million shows. Usually he's an uptight, humorless buffoon. Although in Soldier, Soldier, he was a compassionate and fair major. A young Robert Glenester was a color sergeant, and one episode featured Jason Watkins, better known these days as playing Herrick on Being Human. It was just like, oh my God, there he is. Yep. It was so funny. Somebody online wrote that, oh, he should play Simon Pegg's dad. And somebody pointed out they're the same age. They were both born in 1971. So he does seem a little older than the eternal teenager Pegg. <laughs> it's the hair. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he always, there he was his boyish looks. He actually was playing a member of the Territorial Army and his mate was Jesse Birdsall. Do you remember him from Bugs? Mm-hmm. I remember him, yeah. Yeah, I was like, oh, I recognize all these guys. Yeah, Soldier Soldier would feature many up-and-coming actors in his seven-year run, including one season with Lee Ingleby. An episode of Soldier Soldier in 1995 called for Green and co-star Jerome Flynn to sing Unchained Melody. Subsequently, ITV was inundated by people looking to buy the song, and the pair were persuaded by Simon Cowell to release it as a single. It stayed at number one for seven weeks in the UK singles chart, selling more than 1.9 million copies and making it the best-selling single of the year and winning the duo the Music Week Awards in 1996 for Best Single and Best Album. Subsequently, they had two further number one singles and two number one albums, all remakes of standards. Now, I can't think of anybody on American TV who's accidentally turned into a pop star. I mean, there's some no, have gone they, on to. They've have... tried, like Bruce Willis put out an album, Woody Murphy. 
but they didn't sing on their show. This not not from their show. I mean, David Hasselhoff had a pop career. David Soul, he did fairly well. Had some hits and stuff like that. But they never sang on their shows. The thing I think of close like this that weren't musical shows originally, like Partridge Family or Brady Bunch, sang Brady on the Bunch shows, yeah. would be like maybe the Archies. Or the Monkeys. Yeah. But the Monkeys was well, meant to true. be a music show. But it's how in a drama series to have two actors just kind of sing a song and suddenly make them pop stars. I mean, the British music scene is very insular like that because, the, you know, the radio is all national and so people tend to all listen to the same music at the same time and something like that can become a big hit. And admittedly, they are very good, so you can see why that was very popular. But So yeah, Robson and Jerome were hot stuff in the mid-90s. I'll be coming home Robson Green's high-profile success convinced ITV to sign him to a long-term deal to star in his own television shows. Paul Abbott, later to create Shameless, was hired to write several of the shows, the first in 1997 being Reckless, a medical drama. The second was the popular Touching Evil, which was also written by Russell T. Davis. Green played a police officer, DCI Cregan, whose injuries after a shooting leave him with strange abilities to sense criminals. Touching Evil proved so successful in Britain that there was an, an American remake in 2004 starring Jeffrey Donovan. It didn't do that well, so they said, well, we like Jeffrey Donovan, so they put him in burn notice, and mm-hmm. it was, that's been very successful for him. Also in 1997, Green reteamed with his partner Jerome Flynn for the period comedy drama Ain't Misbehavin'. Flynn plays Eddie, an RAF airman who's just charged due to brief catatonic fits only to find himself arriving in London just as the Battle of Britain begins. He gets wrapped up with Green as Eric Trapp, a minor black marketeer, band member, and wannabe private detective trying to avoid conscription. Mrs. Jilks! Your cat's been at my mail again. Mr. Moggs? He never touches mine. These could be vital cases in here. That'll be the day. I'm trying to run a business. Matter of fact, you have got a client. She's waiting. Have I? Who? She didn't give her name. She's through there in the back. Miss Tramp? No. I really need your help. I don't know who to turn to. Mr. Tryon? Well, yes, uh, yes, well, uh, perhaps you'd like to step into my office, Miss... uh... Dolores. Dolores. Davey. Ain't Misbehavin' was a charming look at that era with Warren Mitchell as a band leader and Julia Sawala as Eddie's love interest and Jim Carter as a gangster whose turf is threatened by menacing Scotsman. Though Green's character got his share of the ladies, it was Jerome Flynn who played the smooth romantic lead. He was Bing Crosby to Green's more goofball Bob Hope type character who was constantly getting into scrapes. There was also a Peter Davison sitcom called Ain't Misbehavin' but don't confuse the two. In 1998, Green teamed with Ballet Kiss Angel star Stephen Tompkinson for Grafters, 
as brothers from Newcastle who managed to get a lucrative job in London to remodel a yuppie couple's dream home, even though Tomkinson knows next to nothing about building. Joe, you know Paul and Laura? Yeah? Well, do they know? Well, like, we've never done, like... Keep going, Trevor, you'll get there. Well, like... But we've never done jobs as big as this. Do you like earning 500 pounds a week, Trevor? Of course I do. It's just... Well, you know, we're not exactly experienced house renovators, are we? That's right, Trevor. You're an inexperienced part-time DIY expert who's lost his boring office job. But you'll learn. And what we don't know, we'll get somebody else in to help. So keep your gob shut and look professional. And if you get stuck, just frown a lot and say bye, that'll cost you. There's plenty of sibling rivalry, as well as clashes with their employer, played by Neil Stook, and his sympathetic wife. Grafters was a harmless comedy drama from ITV about working-class slobs making good, with the considerable charm of the leads making it work. Also in 1998, Green starred in The Student Prince. It's also known as The Prince of Hearts. He played a detective bodyguard to a fictional member of the Windsors as he matriculates to Cambridge in this BBC TV movie. The prince, played by a boyish Rupert Penry Jones, is a real ninny, whether it's his studies or women, so it falls to the streetwise working-class green to show him the way. The movie goes heavily into Cyrano territory as Green advises the prince on winning the heart of an American woman on a Rhodes scholarship. I've kept it from you for so long. It's, it's why I've been acting like this. The reason is, I love you. You've got to be more passionate. I'm Grace. I'm reading a book. What do you say? Hello? No, you have to ask her things she can respond to. Ask her what book she's reading. Excuse me? Look. Oh, Andrew Marvel. Well, he's a good writer. You say he's a good writer because you know she's reading his book. You have to find ways to connect. Right. I love Andrew Marvel. Yes. He wrote so simply, yet it's very moving. Say something back. I think you're beautiful. Okay. But if you're going to go for the jugular, you've got to come closer. Take the book. No. Put it down. You've got to be more confident. Look at my eyes. Look in my eyes. Look into my eyes. I'm awfully sorry. <clears throat> I should have realised. All's well but ends well with some amusing postscripts to the events. Allegedly, the student prince was based on Prince Edward's experiences at university, although the names were changed to protect the guilty. The following year, Green was in Rhinoceros, as a former footballer in an ITV TV movie, as an absent father of an autistic boy who hooks up with his ex-wife when the boy gets lost in Wales on a trip home. It becomes a road movie with the inevitable reignition of passion between the couple as they search for their son and help him achieve independence. In 2000, Green starred in another ITV TV movie, The Last Musketeer. 
He played Steve McTair, an ex-con fencer who missed out making the British Olympic team and instead accepts a short-term teaching job at an out-of-the-way girls' school in Scotland in order to avoid some angry gangsters when a job went wrong. The embattled headmistress of the school naturally falls for Green, as does his best student, but he manages to inspire everyone to succeed before vanishing from their lives forever like the Lone Ranger. In 2002, Robson Green began starring in Wire in the Blood for ITV. This crime drama series, based on the characters created by Val McDermott, would run for six seasons. Green played Dr. Tony Valentine Hill, a clinical psychologist who teams up with a tough female detective inspector to solve crimes. How are you? How do I look? Like you've been hit by a car. You say all the right things. I'm fine, really, just a bit woozy, I saw. Do something for me? Yeah. Porter said she'd look after Nelson. Can you tell her the kitty litter's under the sink? Yeah, no problem. Tony, Kevin should have ID and post-mortem results back by now. Can you get a copy of the file for me? You're supposed to be taking it easy, Carl. Is the case? Or daytime TV? And for the first three seasons, Hermione Norris, late of Spooks and Outcast, played his partner in Wire in the Blood. At the same time, Green continued to star in various TV movies and miniseries, including Blind Ambition, Take Me, Me and Mrs. Jones, and Unconditional Love. In 2003, he moved over to the BBC with a legal drama called Trust that also featured Neil Stook and Ian McShane. Various subplots permeated each episode, as well as plenty of angst from the yuppie staff, but at the end of the day, did the world need another series about lawyers, no matter how well done? Apparently not, as Trust did not get commissioned for a second series. But BBC America has run it. In 2005, Robson Green played George Stevenson in Rocket Man. No, not the historical inventor of the steam locomotive, but a present-day widower whose dream is to put his late wife's ashes into orbit with a self-made rocket. This heartwarming BBC family drama set in Wales focused on George's friends and family as they worked together to help him build the rocket out of spare parts. Of course, there were plenty of mishaps along the way, as well as George's complicated love life and the fact that he was illiterate. In 2004... Green had co-starred in a special called Christmas Lights as Colin and his misadventures with his best mate Howie, played by Mark Benton. This begat a series in 2006 called Northern Lights and a follow-up a year later called City Lights for ITV. It was an odd blend of serious drama, Colin and Howie witness a brutal gangland slang, and slapstick humor. These two bozos often act more like Laurel and Hardy than serious characters. After the murder, they and their two families, their wives or sisters, enter witness protection and move from Manchester to London with new names and try to fit in. But domestic problems kept rearing their heads and the gangsters' goons get closer and closer to them. I didn't quite know what to make of this show. <laughs> Last year, Robson Green had a supporting role in Joe Madison's War, the Alan Platter-written TV movie about the home guard in Liverpool during the war. And he also appeared in the factual shows Extreme Fishing with Robson Green and Robson Green's Wild Swimming Adventure for ITV1. This year, Robson has made several guest appearances on Being Human as the vampire-hunting werewolf McNair. George initially run across his son Tom in the woods, but the antisocial McNair doesn't want anything to do with them. My name. 
is McNair. McNair the bear would be a good name if you're a bear, but you're not your dog! My dog. My mad dog. Mad dog McNair. Oi! He's really mad dog McNair. No, you misunderstand. You see, I told you my name. Because I want it to be the last thing you ever hear. Now, you recognized him when he popped up on that show? No, I didn't know too much about him. Really? No. Oh, yeah. Me, I was me like, oh, my gosh, it's Robson mm-hmm. Green. Yeah, I was kind of surprised that an actor with a resume like his would uh, be turn up playing a werewolf on a BBC3 fantasy drama. Not that I'm for a second suggesting he's slumming. A number of first-rate actors like Nicola Walker and Lee Ingleby have made appearances, too. So, yeah, it was very interesting having oh, him. I liked his character a lot. And uh, I don't think we're spoiling anything for people who've seen the penultimate episode that his last encounter with Herrick doesn't end too well. Oh, it was funny. I found out Jason Watkins, he played, um, did you see Confetti? The movie with Martin Freeman and Jessica Hines. And... No, you've talked about it. Oh, well, he, he played one of the, uh, there's a very flamboyantly gay wedding planner couple. But they're very sweet. They have a very warm relationship. And he was sort of the more outrageous of the two, which I forgot about until I was kind of looking at the IMDb. And I went, oh, yeah, wow, that was him. Big fun. Good show. Good movie. Yeah, he's one of those character actors who just turns up a lot of things. And he really has hit Pedro with the hair character because mm-hmm. he's just so sinister. Well, there's some people saying he's sort of every man and not really that exceptionally good looking i think he's really cute but then again men and dimples put a dimple on anybody and i think they're attractive so he's quite charming to me i think he's genuinely scary though Mm -hmm. yeah he's very good it was a gift of a role for him because i think people now really it raised his profile a lot and he's going to get better roles now even though he's been you know under the radar working jobbing actor for 20 years or so yeah yeah and that part originally was played by uh, Adrian Lester. Adrian Lester. Yeah. Hmm. Just don't see it. But yeah, definitely a full circle for uh, Jason Watkins there because his, you know, making a small appearance with Soldier Soldier. And uh, he actually kind of helped Robson Green's character along there. And now being human, Funny. spelling Funny. Human actors there. get revenge from one part to another or yeah. this or that. There was a lot of talk in the film Wanted that Mark Warren plays a character they just call the repairman, but he's often shown beating James McAvoy to a pulp. And James McAvoy was talked about it in an interview saying how he, in state of play, his character watched as Mark Warren got beaten to a pulp. So it was kind of payback time. <laughs> I don't think Mark Warren's under any illusion, though, of where he is in the big picture compared no. to James McAvoy. No, but... On their hand, you're in a movie with Gently Jolie! That's true. <laughs> She's part, of, she's part of his gang. I was going to spoil uh, Wanted, but I won't. But <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's seen it. Everyone's seen it. Well, she kills almost everybody with a single bullet at the end. Mark Warren's character's already met his demise earlier in the scene, so yeah. he didn't get killed in the circular bullet that shoots through everybody. <laughs> Sorry we spoiled Wanted for you. It is three uh, years old, though, so... 
Uh, Robson Green is currently shooting the next season of Waterloo Road for the BBC, and he'll be playing Rob Scotcher alongside his Northern Lights co-star Mark Benton in the popular school-based drama. So I thought long and hard, and I figured next week we will do Carolyn Quentin. All right. Cool. Her sitcom Life of Riley starts its third series next week, and we'll look at the variety of comedies and dramas that she's appeared in over the years. Boy, we can link it right to my YouTube page because I've got the episode of Clive Anderson All Talk that I went to on there because she was one of the guests Okay, many years ago, along with Susan Sarandon. So you've actually seen her in the flesh across a studio. I did. I saw her and I saw Ellen Davis in the same trip. At that point, his in his stand-up career, he normally would have played a big theater and gone on a tour. But he wasn't touring, but they, he just showed up at the comedy store and did 20 minutes one night. And I was there, so hmm. got to see him do a little comedy as well. Did he still tour? Oh, don't know if he has for a while. Hmm. Um, He's got a kid now, right? Yeah. Yeah, well. I think the last huge tour really was in 99 because they filmed it. And then a year later, they showed that dot three piece documentary which is on my youtube channel where he you saw him on stage and touring around and doing a show but he also stopped and interviewed other comedians along the way like bernard manning and harry hill and joe brand and eddie azard and so it's kind of a good show it was three hours worth of good telly if anybody wants to watch it on youtube well him and carolyn quentin did the jonathan creek together and we'll talk mm-hmm. about her other shows in show 79 We'd like you to go to our website, www.britishtvpodcast.com, and there you can find links to headlines, show notes, what's on TV this week, and an archive of our previous 77 shows. Alrighty. And you can follow us on Twitter, when Twitter's not broken, at uh, BritTVPodcast. And it'll freak out today, and suddenly I was getting all these tweets about Real Madrid football team. What is this? I don't follow these guys. I don't care about Real Madrid. So, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to the, the new sea uh, shows on Tuesday, Campus and uh, Candy Cabs. Have I got news for you coming back? That's great. I kind of feel we're sort of in this holding pattern until Doctor Who yeah. uh, starts coming because we'll have those in the confidentials. There's a, a little sweeter and the sunshine a little brighter when it's the Doctor Who time of the year, but at least only half the season will be in bright sunshine this year. We'll get the other half when it's nice and dark and cool out again. And I'm going to see Frankenstein on Monday. Oh, lucky, lucky. Here in Seattle. So I'll probably have a little uh, report about that. I know. I was I was torn. I want to see it, but I feel like I shouldn't spend any money until I see if I'm keeping my job or not. Yes. Well, there'll be a DVD release or something probably. Yep. Well, okay. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.